0: Live from the Pacific Northwest, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. Real. True. Stories. May the narrative be with you. I always got a kick out of the way. Ron White had a glass of bourbon when he was giving a talk. So I just had to do it. On January 10th, 1984... My father, Ben Lasky, was killed in a private plane accident. I was 29, and my world was shattered. Up until that point, things had been going great. It was really the first major crisis in my life. My dad had been such an important person in my life. My my mother had been largely absent, so I I looked double-time to him. And from when I was a little kid, and as I grew, he meant everything. He taught me so many lessons. Uh, He inspired me to the hunting and fishing stuff that moved me to Oregon, that I've always enjoyed so much. And there's a few people here tonight that I've enjoyed some spectacular things with. Uh, I've been from North of the Arctic Circle to Zimbabwe, Africa but now he was gone and i had to deal with that i was 29 so i was an adult i needed to pick up on that responsibility my mother was literally an invalid so i decided that i would take on you know the uh, action of dealing with the estate and this estate was very complicated we had a farm in northern california he had a business in the bay area and it wasn't well set up. It wasn't set up well for somebody to die, to have a key man die. And it was—I mean—I jumped into a job that was way over my head. Very stressful, very frustrating. It was causing problems for me with my marriage, with my job. I so much wanted to do a good job. It was like here's the first thing I need to do for my dad as an adult, and it wasn't going well. As that process went on, I was seeking answers and not finding them. There was one day a a woman came to me selling a personal growth seminar, which was very different than anything I'd ever thought about. And she told me about all the reasons she thought it would be good for me and and what I was dealing with. But I don't know, it it just didn't sound like the usual thing. Well, finally she came in one day and she said, you know, Steve, we've talked about this several times. I know there's a lot of value for you here, but you're on the fence. You know, you won't tell me no, but you won't tell me yes. And she said, this is the last time I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you. Uh, I want you to either come down on the side of yes or no, and whichever way it is, is fine. And so I'm like, okay, personal growth. <laughs> Literally it was like, I don't know what else to do. Okay, I'll try this. I got involved with this program and it had a series of programs, kind of an introductory one and then a middle one and and then one that went on beyond that. And when I went into that first program, it was very different than than anything I had been exposed to before. I mean, I was pretty much, my dad was a capitalist, you know, businessman, profit and loss kind of guy, and this was different. You know, this had (coughs) learning about, important principles in our life, like accountability, like inherent value. I mean, I learned in being with this, kind of like tonight, how when we get up here and, and put our life on the line, all of you really get a strong feeling of who we are. And in this program, I you know saw that several times. And people that I initially thought were, you know, I had prejudice about, like, oh, who is this person? I would at the end, I would think, "My God, what a fabulous resource." So it taught me a lot about those kinds of things. It was so good that when I got out of the first program, I wanted to be in the second program, and that program was called The Wall. And it was an in, uh, kind of a, uh, an inpatient, I want to say, I, I'm not sure exactly what the term is, but we went to Orcas Island up in Seattle. And the wall, the second program had to do with understanding the walls, that we come up against in our life that keep us from getting to where we want to be. But the first thing that they talked about was, well, you need you need to know where you want to be. I mean, if you don't know where you want to be, how are you can know if you're successful? So we worked very hard on coming up with what they called our definition of success. And this, what came up for me was success to be is being certain that I'm being challenged. By the unique experiences of a healthy lifestyle, while feeling a deep sense of com- commitment and contentment, while I help the important people of my life to win and to grow. Well, these programs would start like at 7 o'clock in the morning and sometimes run until 11 o'clock at night. And I mean, they were, I remember thinking, this is just crazy. And towards the end of the wall, we had a, an assignment where we were supposed to draw a picture of the life that we saw for ourselves in the future. In other words, if you could on a piece of paper draw what your life would look like, what would it be? And I remember being a little irritated. I mean, it's like 8 or 9 o'clock at night and they assigned this thing to us. So I drew this picture of mountains and a lake and a cabin and a float plane and all these things I thought would be pretty cool. And I was exhausted when I walked out of there. And The program was held at a Boy Scout camp, so we stayed in uh, these little cabins. Like men would be four men to a cabin with bunk beds. And I just came out of there, and I was so exhausted, and I started to walk back to my cabin. And suddenly I, I felt a strong pull down towards the water, which was odd. I mean, you'd think that I'd want to get in bed, but okay, I'll go with that. So I started to walk. And as I walked down to the water, I noticed there was a pier that went out into the sound there, and it was kind of a, a night with clouds, and the moon was there, and the moon was shimmering off of the, the sound. The, the way I would describe it is with every step that I took, the, the feeling was more intense. And at first it was like, wow, I'm being pulled, but I don't really know why. But as I got further and further towards the end of that pier, the feeling in my father started to come along and he had been such a focus in these programs about why I couldn't go further and so as I got out the end of the pier I looked up at the moon and it was shimmering and the water was there, it was really quite spectacular and I knew it had to do with my dad and I just said tell me, you know, just tell me what this is about and basically the message that came across was even though I'm gone I'm still here. I'm, I'm still here in spirit, and I can still support you. And you can talk to me like you might pray to God. And then it just broke, and it went away. And I thought, wow, that was pretty weird. That <laughs> was pretty woo-woo, as I like to say. So I went back to the uh, the cabin, and I, I laid there in bed and just shook with, I mean, how, what an incredible experience that was. And anyway, we finished that program out and headed back to... Uh, Oregon, and I was riding with a group in the van, and we were talking about all this stuff, and I hadn't told anybody about it. And I remember thinking as I got out of the van and got my stuff and started to go back to my own life and back to my own car, it's like, you know, our minds can make up a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, who knows what that was. But as I got in and I started the car, I had left the radio on, and immediately what I came across was he was born in the summer of his 27th year, coming home to a place he'd never been before. Just like that. And I thought, it was John Denver, Rocky Mountain High. And my dad and I had talked so much about how when I left California and moved to Oregon, I was 27, it was just like that. It was like coming home to a place I'd never been before. And I thought, you know, he's winking at me. You know, when I started to, you know, get kind of soft on the whole idea, thinking it was strictly in my head, and damn, I don't know, you know, that, the timing was incredible. So, a few months, several months went by, and I entered into the final program of that series, and it happened to be held up at Snoqualmie Pass. And a bunch of stuff happened, but what's important to me is, towards the end of it, I got up and, and gave a talk to about 18 people that were in the group, and I told them about that story, about the pier and the moon and the communication and how, you know, woo, that was. And uh, afterwards we broke for, for a break and I went out and uh, I really had a feeling I, did, I didn't want to talk to anybody. It was just too much in my head. And so I walked off, kind of into the forest there, off the paths and everything, I climbed over a couple of logs and sat down as I sat there, I looked, and I, I saw something shiny. And I thought, what the heck is that? And I picked it up. It was a dime. And the first thing I said was, in God we trust, 1984. And I it was like, if the other thing was winking at me, this was shouting at me. It, it was unbelievable. So the question is, how has this changed me? Well, I guess what I'd say is I'm a lot more open to paranormal or metaphysical type of things happening. I became quite interested in death and the dying process and was a hospice uh, volunteer for four years, which is extremely valuable for me. Uh, I like to go to old cemeteries and just walk around and, and look at the headstones and the ones around them and try to understand what that family might have been going through when they died. You know, the fact of the matter is I still don't know where we go to when we die or what happens to us. But I gotta say I'm kind of surprised that it's my conservative, red-blooded Republican dad that opened my eyes to the fact that sometimes the power of love and support transcends and overcomes the darkness of death.